week's Property Matters, the show that brings global trends to an Irish audience to help shape your knowledge of the industry. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or by email at iPropertyRadio.com. Your hosts today are myself, Brian Fox and Carol Tallon. We have an exciting programme. First up, Councillor Jim Gildee, Fine Gael, representing the Kalani Shankill area. And Councillor Dennis O'Sullivan, Labour, also representing the Kalani Shankill area. And both sitting on the Dunleary Rattown County Council. They discussed the proposed new developments in Shankill and the Central Mental Hospital in Dundrum. Dunleary Rattown County Council gave planning permission uh, for development to commence on a vast site on Shangala Castle in Shankill. Construction, I think, will start in, in, in the autumn and will be undertaken by the Land Development Agency. Um, so let's just um, that that is correct, isn't it? Um, that that is planning permission has, has been has been granted. It was granted by uh, not not granted by Dunleary Down County Council. It was granted by on board Planola. On board Planola. Okay. And that was two years ago. That was two years ago. So right. that planning application and that's done. Uh, with regard to the tender, I spoke to the housing department yesterday, and in fact, the tenders have are, are being examined at the moment. They expect that the the notification will be sent to the. Uh, to the uh, successful tenderer uh, by the end of this month. So when you say the tenders, the tenders are being done by the Land Development Agency? Absolutely. The yeah. entire project of 597 units has been, has been handled, by, handled them. by them. 200 of the units will be social housing for the Leary, Yeah, but uh, the entire site will be developed by one one, uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's interesting as well, uh, Brian, that this is the first uh, major project uh, by the Land Development Agency, the LDA as they're known as. Yeah. So it'll be a test of their metal, if you like, yeah. uh, nationally yeah. uh, to get this one, to get this one right. Yeah. Uh, they're, I would say, behind schedule somewhat. Considerably, um, yeah. considerably behind schedule. Work should have commenced uh, by now on it. Uh, on that, you, we don't, uh, you know, the housing crisis that there is. And um, we have been pushing uh for the last number of years to, to get uh, this project up and running as quickly as possible. As Jim says, 200 social houses, um, there's 91 uh, affordable sales houses, and then there are 306, I think it is, cost rental uh, apartments going in there. So it's a huge project uh, on the lands of the old uh, juvenile detention centre. Yeah. Uh, when, when you talk about tenders, um, Surely, would not one construction company do the whole? Um, oh, yeah, one construction company enterprise. will do it, but but uh, somebody has to tender for the job the same as any other major major. Uh, yeah, yeah, major job. The uh, developer is the land development agency. Sure. So it will be their project managers who will project yeah. manage the yeah. uh, the the, the uh, and, and work through how the tender is progressing. But uh, some developer, and I don't know, I have no idea who that, uh, and who would that you, developer would you is. Be in fair, would you, I mean, if, if the land development agency felt that uh, a number of developers need to, to work, would you, would there be any problem with that, mm. do you think? There isn't a problem yeah. with that. My understanding is that the first phase of the project will be the 200 social housing units. They will be the first phase of the project, as, I, that's un- urgent, as I understand it, because of mm. the urgency, urgency that is yeah. attached, yeah. Uh, yeah. That is attached uh, to it. But... Uh, the, the LDA will have to get it right because the the um, if you like the eyes of the nation are upon them on this one because it's their very first major project um, 
And if they don't get it right, uh, it will reflect badly nationally because they have others, other major projects sure. lined up. And in terms of social housing, that's two or three bedroom houses, I suppose, isn't it? Or? No, a lot of them will be apartments. Oh, uh, yes. okay. A lot of them. In fact, um, the planning permission was granted under the uh, build, build to rent um, oh, yeah. planning regulations. Yeah. So both the affordable, uh, the affordable rental units and the uh, social housing, with a sm- small exception of, of some of the step down units, will be, uh, will be apartments. Uh, Dubai as well. Uh, no, all, no all then, then there is a completely separate block. Uh, well, two blocks there. There will be 40 odd houses, uh, which will be two and three story houses and one apartment block of about uh, 50 units. Okay. And they, and they, and they, they social. And they, no, no, that's dedicated, uh, affordable sale. Yeah. Oh, I hear. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So there are two that, that will be affo- affordable sale and affordable rental. Right. Two separate right. things. Yeah. And the affordables will be co-financed as well, supplemented by the, by the, yeah. by the local authority, by Dundee, yeah. 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 I, yeah, just just to be clear, the two hundred the two hundred are social housing. Yeah, they're they're rental from the local authority and will will be allocated off of the uh, council's social housing lists. The ninety one affordable sales, mm. as I understand it, will come under the national. There are two sales. There there will be two affordable schemes. There's a national affordable scheme and there's the local authority affordable scheme. That the ninety one dwellings, which there will be fifty odd, as Jim says, house. Uh, the remainder, the 41, will be apartment Apart- sales. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, apartment sales. Yeah. Uh, they will go to the um, uh, the national affordable scheme. Now, the difference between the national affordable scheme and the local authority affordable scheme is one. In the local authority affordable sales scheme, we have to, as an elected council, draw up a scheme of priorities as to how those will be sold. In the nationals, in the national affordable sales scheme. Uh, it will simply be advertised and it'll um people will apply and can from apply anywhere. from anywhere okay. that's it will the be difference in line between, with, uh, between Department, the uh, department of housing uh, regulations uh, and who who will um, administer that the national part of it is that the department of housing or or, or uh, i think it's the local the local governments uh, administer it but administer it on behalf of uh, the department of Very housing whereas the ones that are administered by the local authority under the, come under the scheme as, as Dennis said you, will be uh, yeah you can apply in the first instance from housing for all the loan scheme the affordable loan scheme uh, if or do you can apply for a local authority uh, home loan the difficulty with the, with the scheme as I understand it is that there's a cap of uh, value of a dwelling up to mm-hmm. 320,000 uh, euro now um we know that it is very unlikely that you'll be able to purchase a three-bed uh, dwelling in South Dublin uh, for €320,000. So, so th- there, there will be an issue arise here. But it, it's vague at the moment because we haven't, I don't think the Minister has signed off on the regulations no. in relation to the affordable national affordable sales scheme. Um, and the local authority is waiting on the Minister uh, to... Um, to, so that we can um, then um, pass or, or adopt our scheme of letting priorities, which will be based on maybe residency, uh, work and all of that. I imagine that the uh, parameters for qualification uh, from a financial point of view will probably be similar. I don't know that yet, but I imagine that will be the case. But again, uh, 
with regard to residency and things like that, that's something that will be set so there's by still the law, some issues to be ironed out. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they're I don't think they're major issues, but the, but but, but uh, I think I think there will be if we take Shangana, uh, there may be, maybe some units throughout the county, some other units developed by by uh, <coughs> by, by separate but, developers. But with regard to Shangana, I think any of the problems will be ironed out long before the first units are available. Uh, and Jim, I'm sure Jim would agree with me. It is extremely frustrating for us because yeah. we've had announcement after announcement yes. after announcement. Yeah. Yeah. And yet we're waiting um, and people are ringing us. Um, Jim has them. I have them every day of the week, peeping, people ringing us up. Uh, how can we go about um, getting a loan or this? Is the affordable scheme up and running yet? And mm. we have to tell them, uh, we, we have to tell them, no, we're waiting it's on the regulations up. from the minister's mm. office mm. and all the rest of it. And that's, it, it's it's just frustrating. Uh, I don't, I don't the know minute? what's causing the delay. I just okay, don't you know. That's my question. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so really, as I see it then, um, <clears throat> The, the um, land development agency is under pressure now because uh, when you hark back to the old days, to when um, oh, local authorities were building houses, they, 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 they were they were solely responsible, and 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 now we have the land development agency. Um, Don't see that as a problem, Brian. It should okay. it, it shouldn't be. I mean, if you if you take and to, going back to a question that you, you you asked earlier about could a number of uh, a number of developers go in there a lot of the infrastructure that's going to go on to that site the site is about nine and a half hectare mm. a lot of the infrastructure that's going to go on there is common mm. so you're going to have the sewage system the road system oh, yeah. the open space the parks the whatever it is is a is a is common area so there's no uh, the LDA are probably mirroring to a degree, what the uh, local authority heretofore uh, did in building. Yes, yeah. um, yes, it would be a fair comment to to say that they are pro they are the nearest um, entity that is mirroring what the local authorities used to do. So that's yeah. why I stress again that um, they're, under it's, they're under pressure to get this. You to, ideologically to, weren't right in favour of this some to, two or three years back, weren't you? Uh, I, I welcomed it with caution. I welcomed it with caution at uh, at the, at the time. Yeah. Um, um, I was prepared and still am prepared to give them the benefit of the doubt. My preference uh, is clearly for local authorities to do like they did in the 50s, 60s and 70s. Uh, no mystery to it, build local authority oh, houses oh. Uh, if there's a housing crisis. And they did that uh, 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 through those decades oh. and it was it, it was uh, successful. Um Clearly, um, the, there's a shift away now from local authorities um, uh, building large-scale social housing, and I don't can't see in 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 the foreseeable future that there's going to be a shift uh, in that policy. So you have to deal with the 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 card the cards that you're dealt with, and I. Uh, that's why I give the, you know, there's no other show in town except private developers, which I would argue have failed to deliver to on, on, on the social housing end of things. But certainly I, I would, um, there's no other show in town other than the Land Development Agency, in my opinion, which will deliver a significant numbers of, uh, of, social, of, of social housing. Well, let's move on. I know this is not your electoral area because at the Central Mental Hospital site now is, uh, has also been given permission to go ahead with the development. What I'd like to know with so many developments built there, and I know it's not your, your particular area, there are reservations about the, how the local infrastructure can handle it. Do, have you any feedback on that issue, Jim, as such? 
I don't believe there's any big problem left to it. I think there was a lot of, uh, in fairness to the to the land development agency, uh, they listened to what both the public reps and a lot of the uh, local people had to say. I know there is still one major uh, major query over the estate, Annaville, where the LDA are proposing to uh, disrupt a very settled community uh, and put a, put an, an access into the site. Yeah, uh, which I understand both locals and the majority of local councillors would say is totally unnecessary because there is another uh, entrance exit point to that estate about two minutes drive away and two minutes uh, and, and, and even yeah. a short walk away. But to put cars and a lot of cars through a settled housing estate uh, quite simply is wrong. And we have a similar incident. We have a similar a situation ourselves in, in the Shankill area yeah. where there is an attempt to bring uh, to bring a lot of uh, n- nothing like 977 units are part of the 977, but about 200 units in total uh, coming through a, a housing estate that is in a very settled area. And I think... Where part of Shankill is that? Uh, it's it's, it's, about, it's, a, it's uh, what's known as uh, in, in, in Ratsala estate. Uh, there's a development on what used to be called Fingleton's Field. Okay. And, oh, uh, yours, that's yeah. been, that's been, uh, yeah, yeah, yes, that's been. Yeah. But again, it's disrupting, yeah. it's disrupting a settled community, yeah. a play area yeah. for kids, where yeah. kids have been used to playing, uh, and it's the same with, 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 uh, with Anneville. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I think the LDA have actually listened. I know they have uh, reduced the, the size of the apartments, uh, the height of the apartments, which was a concern of residents. Uh, there, are, there are still some concerns with regard to the amount of open space for that amount of houses, but uh, that's gone to a board plan all at the moment. They're yeah. waiting a decision, and I think. Yeah, d- look to follow on, on Jim. This is a this is a huge project. Nine hundred and forty uh, apartments uh, being built there. Um, they have tweaked it it somewhat, but I think there was a, an opportunity lost uh, by the. This was state lands. Uh, there was an opportunity lost by the LDA to put in social housing there. Uh, we will get the 10% from what's called the part... Yeah, there's 20% on this. Uh, 20%, 20% of what's called the part five uh, yeah. with an option to purchase now. We're, yeah. not, we're not being handed to them. Yeah. It'll be the, the local authority. It's an option to purchase um, the 20% there. But there was an opportunity missed, I think, a, yeah. a huge opportunity missed because this was state-owned lands yeah. to put in a tranche of uh, social housing uh, into that... Um, into that um, and I'm still at a loss to to um, to understand why um, the LDA didn't um, proceed um, to um, to put in some what? social some social, social housing. housing yeah, but yeah. like Jim said, all of these projects now are impacting on local existing residents, and the the Abingdon one is a, is a classical example of that, where a working class estate, uh, uh, fifty years old. Uh, with hammerheads, cul-de-sac, never envisaged that they'd um, uh, that there'd be uh, lands abutting it opened up and the entrance coming through through theirs. I would I would say I'm I'm sure if it was a private housing estate, I'm not so sure that 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 would happen. Mm. Uh, it's because that this is a local authority estate and it's, it's outrageous to turn the lives of those people uh, upside down, literally, mm. uh, by um, by doing what 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 uh, uh, allowed uh, in the planning there were alternatives. That is what is really yeah. annoying. I've got to go to the story. I, 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 I don't know if it'd be fair to ask you to comment on it, but um, just before we, just so it will add to extra pressure in terms of 
the very narrow roads coming into Dundrum as well, and Absolutely. on public transport and on the on the lowest. I mean, public transport. And, and, and of course, lowest. you have a live application in for the old um, the Dundrum Town Centre. Oh yeah, um, well that's we've we've discussed that many yeah, times. Eight hundred and eighty-one yeah. units. I mean, that will that, that that will you know in close proximity. That will be major traffic implications yeah. uh, for the Dundrum area and the surrounding the surrounding uh, roads and housing estates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what else do I want to discuss? I, I don't know if it's really fair to put this to you, gentlemen, because this is a report in the uh, Irish Times this morning. I've only come across this now myself. There's been many stories done on it, but uh, and, and I'm sure it will go to probably go to court. But on board Planola may reopen uh, up to twenty uh, Hyde rulings. This is um, the uh, gentleman Paul Hyde who had. Um, it's under discussion in widening internal review triggered by the allegations of impropriety in Mr. Hyde's personal declarations to the planning appeals body, which he has denied. The review also examining um, planning cases involving Mr. Hyde's brother, Stefan um, Hyde, a fire safety expert. These include less than 10 cases in which Stefan Hyde was a, con- was a consultant for a board itself and several large-scale fast-track housing applications, which included documentation from um, Stefan Hyde. So it does look as if something is going to be, there's, there's, it will be a, some sort of review into it in terms of um, on board Planola and, and, you know, some dissatisfaction uh, uh, with that. And as you've described there, um, Dennis, I mean, it's, it's a case, and indeed Jim, it's a case now where your involvement with councils, in other words, involvements with uh, planning permissions have been sort of um, put to the side. Well, the the, the strategic um, housing development legislation, I, I have said publicly, was the worst piece of legislation, in my opinion, which was ever, whichever, which came into place. I think it was because it sidelined the local authorities and yet the local authority staff were tied up in doing massive uh, backroom work uh, to submit um, to to uh, facilitate the submission of those um, to un, to onboard um, to onboard Planola. Now, hopefully, that um, or thankfully, that uh, legislation is coming to an end. It's going to be replaced with the. Uh, we're still waiting on that. Though, aren't we? We're still wait, We're still waiting on it. But at, at the end of at the end of the day, to 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 come back to your point, and I'll be careful what I say because I, this could end up in the legal arena anyway. I imagine it will. Um, but. Uh, it beggars belief that an organisation such as Board Planola would be caught up in such a uh, such a mess mm. uh, with in relation to the to uh, personnel on the board. It, it it beggars belief, quite 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 frankly. And and what will only satisfy uh, certainly our interest and the public interest will be clear, precise, and and transparent. Um, um, conclusion to this. Findings, yeah, yeah. Jamie, did you want to know your so, so, just on just just touching on the SHD legislation, which obviously went directly to onboard Panola. I also was critical of that, and in fact, my party, uh, my my. Well, uh, that was on Murphy's initiative. Absolutely, yeah, I don't yeah, don't, yeah. don't deny that at all. And, yeah. and but I know that all thirteen Fingale County Councillors on the Lear at Down County Council went public on this, and yeah. I think we had a press release that we gave to you mm, and to indeed, all the yeah, national papers yeah, yeah. Uh, way back, ask, calling for the Office of uh, Planning Regulator mm. to have a look at what was happening uh, mm. uh, there. Uh, rightly so, as it turned out, the, 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 the Office of Investigation uh, Planning, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, no, the OPRs said, you know, it's not something that we're allowed to do by legislation, so we yeah. had to accept that. But 
my my biggest problem the 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 trust of what the SHD legislation tried to do, I am in favour of and I am in agreement with. But as Dennis has said, it, it, it fell back on the local authorities and the, the planning staff in the local authorities to do a lot of this work. But the single thing, biggest problem that I had with that is that it set aside county development plans. And we have all 40 councillors and the Lira Down County Council have just been through the 2022 to 2028 county development plan and the amount of hours that we put into that and and uh, <clears throat> the amount of meetings we had and the amount of briefings we had from the council we didn't we we didn't we didn't all agree as 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 um, even within parties so there was no whip at least not in my own group there was no whip on it um but the amount of effort that was put in by people to come up with a sensible county development plan and then to have one piece of legislation to take that and to completely set it aside was absolutely appalling. And it gave on board Panola a charter to do what the hell they wanted to do. And in some cases, frankly, they did do exactly what they wanted to do. Uh, and, and, and to the detriment of the residents of, of Deliria Ratown and to the detriment of what had been planned uh, six years ago for the for the county development plan. With regard to Umbor Panola itself, as Dennis said, uh, I'm be very careful, so I won't, I'm not talking about that report that's in, in the newspaper today. I haven't read it. But I will say that a body like Umbor Panola, which has a huge influence on the lives of citizens, not just today, but in, for the next 100, 100 years down the road, it has to be absolutely above... Uh, Scrutiny, reproach. Mm -hmm. Above reproach. Uh, it, 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 it must be, it must be transparent. It yeah. must well, be Well, I'm clear. sure that we do diligence and if it's, this now, And if so. it's not, yeah. uh, and if it's not, I think we need to be, we need to make sure that the, uh, that the system is investigated to the nth yeah. degree. And if there is culpability. Yes. Uh, in any case, not, not what, what's in what that newspaper yeah. at all, yeah. 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 but in any case, uh, by any person, it doesn't matter if they're the the, the 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 person in the car park right up to the person at the top of it. Yeah. Anybody who does anything wrong in an organisation like Import Panola should be punished heavily. Right. Um, interesting times, though, from the point of view of what's Absolutely. going on locally here uh, with the with the loan development. Oh, very interesting. Yeah, we'll, uh, and I mean, we can't iterate strong enough again. The county development plan is is the bible, if you yeah. like, is yeah. the local yeah. authority bible. Well, we keep an eye on for, pl for planning and going, um, going forward now. They've driven now. A, they've going driven June already. Yeah. Through, they've through, driven through, a course coaching forward through it. Yeah. But the interesting thing, just to finish on it, Brian, the interesting thing is that those communities who've had the financial wherewithal to challenge some of the decisions taken by Onboard Planola to the courts have been quite successful. Yeah, those judicial reviews, in other words, yeah. which are expensive. But they're, 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 they're expensive, but very, very, very briefly on this, yeah. Brian. We have to remember, though, that with judicial reviews, and I've heard developers giving out about judicial reviews, Judicial reviews is where somebody, somewhere along the line, did not follow the law to a T. Right. It is nothing to do, judicial reviews have nothing to do with planning. Yeah. Nothing whatsoever to do with planning. And you, you hear this muddying of the waters to say that it's a terrible thing that citizens like us sitting here can take a, a review to the, to the High Court. It is a review on the basis of law, not on planning. 93.9 Dublin South FM. And welcome back to iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on social media at iProperty Radio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. This week on Breaking Ground, I'm chatting to show regular uh, Ralph Montague of Arc Docs to talk about the upcoming BIM Coordinator Summit, which is taking place in the RDS and online this September. 
Um, Ralph, you're very welcome back. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Carol. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, Ralph, the BIM Coordinator Summit, this took the industry by storm last year when everybody was in lockdown and there wasn't a lot happening. So talk to us about uh, talk to us about the BIM Coordinator Summit uh, and the concept, first of all. Yeah, well, actually, it started when we when COVID started. We we offered um, at that time a free sort of program just to help people in that difficult period to who wanted to find out about BIM. And we had a fantastic response. Over five thousand people from around the world joined that that program. And so last year we decided to to host a summit to bring all these people back together. Um, and but we opened it up to the public, and we had almost 15,000 people from around the world register for this virtual event last year, which was you know, an incredible response. And uh, so what we're planning to do this year is to do a hybrid event. So as you, as you mentioned, a live event in Dublin, but also to broadcast all of that internationally to, uh, to sort of serve the whole community. And, th- and that's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to, we're trying to build a community of people um, who are interested in, in this sort of digital transition of the AEC sector. And, and that's our mission, I, I think, is we want to affect change in the sector because, I mean, everybody knows the sector is vital to society. It provides the, the buildings and infrastructure that support almost everything we do. But at the moment, you know, it's it's very slow and expensive and dangerous and corrupt and wasteful and unsustainable. And uh, even in a first world country like Ireland, I mean, the sector is failing to deliver the housing, the education, the healthcare, transport, uh, energy needs of uh, of our society. So, and it's do even you, worse. Do you, well, do you think that's an industry failure? <laughs> Well, it, it is the industry that has to deliver that infrastructure, and um, you know whether I mean, with, I mean, there's lots of debate about what's causing that failure, but definitely the digital transition of this industry could help improve a lot of that by making it more productive and more transparent and able to deliver on these needs. You know, and because nothing comes about within the, the industry without information, and you know, and the quality of the information that's produced to to sort of execute the work impacts on the performance and outcome. So our mission is to raise the awareness of the value of information and drive adoption of digital of these digital processes at scale. And that's really the way we're going to go about that is to recognize and appreciate and celebrate the people in the industry who are delivering uh, excellence at the moment in information management. Uh, so we we call them the kind of BIM heroes of the architecture, engineering, and construction sector. And are they so, all from the private sector? Because I know you're putting the blame kind of squarely on the industry, but surely the public sector has a huge role to play in this as one of the largest procurers and and project managers um, within construction. So do you think? Because we, well, I'm not I'm not blaming anyone. I suppose that's that's important. And. I don't see a sort of us and them situation. Like the public sector is part of the industry. The the public procurers are part of this industry. The private procurers are part of the industry. It's not sort of the delivery side versus the procurement side. Like everybody is part of the the sector in my view. And together we have to solve this problem of delivering 
the infrastructure that the world needs, not not only in Ireland, but like around the world, like even in third world and developing countries, there's an enormous challenge. And, and we need to deliver that infrastructure in a way that is sustainable, that doesn't have a tremendous impact on our environment, because everybody knows that the, the, the construction sector is one of the worst polluters, you know, in terms of um, waste of raw, raw materials, the uh, sort of production of CO2 and uh, energy use, etc. So um, there's lots of pro- problems, but we're not going to we're not going to solve these problems by saying it's you against us or I blame you or whatever. <laughs> we have to. No, that's very. That's, we, we have to come together point. as a sector. We're all part of the sector. We all need the infrastructure and we all benefit from the infrastructure and uh, so and we're not we have to do that by transitioning from outdated uh, practices to modern practices um, you no, you're absolutely right Rob and over the last 12 months we've seen a huge commitment from government in terms of um uh, build digital the build digital initiative and uh the the upcoming uh, Centre of Excellence for Construction. So we are seeing, uh, on the face of it, a public commitment to this. Um, I I know I ask you and I ask uh, most of our guests when we talk about um, digital construction, where Ireland is in terms of adoption. Um, To my mind, looking almost from the outside, it feels like a lot has happened in the last 12 to 18 months. Is that just what I'm seeing? Is that an accurate representation of what's happening in the marketplace? Well, I think definitely COVID has uh, boosted the digital transition. People had to suddenly learn how to work and collaborate and you know, cooperate you know, across digital technologies rather than uh, sort of in person. So that's definitely helped the, the situation. Um, I, I think there's, there's, a, there's definitely an awareness, a, a greater awareness amongst the industry. There's still the challenge of the fragmented industry and people sort of reverting to what they know rather than trying something new. You know what I mean? So so the outdated old school practices of paper documentation and, yeah, those are fully embedded in society that it's very difficult to change it. Even our planning system, I mean, we've been talking about e-planning for many years, but you still have to submit 10 printed copies of your drawings (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to the planning authority and then the planning authority then sort of attempts to scan those to to sort of digitize it. it's it's very outdated and uh, so there's a lot of work to do you know it, it's interesting when whenever we look at bim i i get very excited about um the progress that's been made i get excited about uh, the evolution and then we bring it back to how it fits into the <clears throat> ecosystem that it has to fit into as in going through our planning process and actually um, being used then by not just the project owners, but by, you know, the main contractor, by the subcontractors across the supply chain. And this is where we tend to see maybe some of the fractures within it. Um, so I, like, I was genuinely surprised to see the sheer scale of the community that's now pulling together because we know there's, there's so many different drivers um, for for uh, tech adoption. So whether it's regulatory or whether it's efficiency, whether it's driven by um, different metrics, whether the ESG metrics around um, not just productivity, but environment, Mm. a huge part, like the the biggest nut crack is almost the culture change. And here 
you've kind of reversed that. You've flipped it on its head. So you have this huge and growing community that's really pushing hard, almost beyond kind of maybe what the ecosystem is designed to do. So were you surprised yeah. to see the, the sheer number here? Because I know you mentioned there last year you had something like um, 15,000 people globally signed up. And I know that community has since grown to in excess of 17,000. That's a huge yeah. number of professionals all focused towards digital and informa- and uh, kind of information management. Yeah, I, well, I think we, we changed the message. Like, I mean, we've been in this business for 13 years trying to work with clients and design teams, you know, trying to change people. And I think we changed the mission and we said, let's work with the people who want to change rather than trying to convince the people who don't want to change. And, you know, so let's connect with people around the world who are genuinely interested in in this way of working and uh, and are and are doing amazing work. So even within the difficult environments, procurement environments that everybody else has to work in, people have excelled and used these processes and technologies and standards, and you know have driven um, amazing projects. So yeah. It's, it can be done, and they've and, and people have showed that. So we we changed the focus to focus on those people and to recognize and appreciate those people and celebrate those people, like to put them out there as shining examples of you know what a possible future for this industry could be like, uh, and that's, is actually a reality in certain sectors, and and yeah. um, so that's really what we're trying to do. Um, I think there's a life lesson in that to to work with the people who actually want to change rather than putting all your energy into trying to change <laughs> the minds of the resistors. There's definitely kind of a life lesson, if not an industry lesson there. Well, that's a reality, isn't it? Um, it is. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen that book, that book from Jeffrey Moore of the adoption of technologies, but there's a, a normal distribution curve and you know, at least 50% of people are going to be in the late majority and laggard carriage. Uh, category uh, yeah and then within the, the other 50 percent you have innovators and you know early adopters and and then uh, um, the major early adopters etc so you know just to shift the focus from trying to convert the laggards who probably are just holding out to retire and you know don't really want to change to the people who want to change and, yeah uh, no i think i think that's a really powerful message um hmm. tell me who are you more most excited about or what are you most excited what topics or which speakers are you most excited about for september's summit <laughs> well so first i suppose the the topics i mean what i really love about this community is the focus has shifted from to design and construction to the whole life cycle. So we've divided the the whole conference into eight themes to cover everything from early stage planning and the, the client's needs to um, design and construction, obviously, but then operations and you know, things like the golden thread of information, the digital twin, uh, using you know, immersive technologies and, and uh, upcoming technologies and uh, down to really important subjects like data governance and you know, making sure that information, the quality of information is carried through from through all those stages, looking at technical issues like uh, interoperability. And then a, a big subject which I'm really passionate about is driving the competency. Digital competency is something that is really lacking in our sector. We have to educate 
not only young people, of course we have to educate young people and we have to give them the, the means to operate in a, a digital future, but the existing industry that's out there have to reskill, tool up and become digitally competent. And um, so all, you know, all those subjects are, are, um, are really important. And, and then we have speakers, like incredible speakers from around the world. We've got over 100 speakers lined up for that covering those topics um so within each of those categories we have keynote speakers and specialists um and then we have we also have some sort of specialist lounge areas obviously one of them is the one we're talking to you about but you know it, we want to bring we want to showcase and demonstrate the the very best in ac technology and practice we want to bring together professional practice so all the we've got most of the professional bodies coming together in a space where they will talk about what each of the bodies are doing in relation to the digital adoption. Um, and then your own space that we're talking about, the place XR, like what is the, the future technology using the immersive technologies of AR, VR, and, and even the metaverse? Uh, you know, what does that mean to our, to our sector in the future? So an incredible <laughs> lineup. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. Um, there's a huge range there because, like, we might just go back. Obviously, I, I'm excited and people are probably sick of me talking about, um, say, the immersive technology side. But I just see so much potential there. And the rise of digital twins has linked so nicely and enabled so much of our um, uh, the, the aspirations we have for using immersive technology. So, I, do you know, I, I think talking about the metaverse, there's almost it almost feels like an overlap. So, um, you know, it, it reminds me of when the term prop tech was coined because what we realized is that there was people doing it maybe six, seven, eight years. Um, and and that and the metaverse is a little bit like that. We've seen technology move in this direction. So now this movement has a name, but it almost doesn't add anything further to what was, what was already, um, what was already being unleashed. And um, yeah. if, if anything, I would I wouldn't like to see it limited because what we're seeing is that um, by having digital twins, that is just the start of unleashing the potential, not just for individual buildings, but across smart cities. So I'm so excited about what's happening. But at the core of all that, Carol, is information. (laughs) So, yeah, like these concepts of digital twins and metaverse, they are they're just concepts until you have good quality information. If, if you still have all your information on, on printed documents sitting in a box in your basement of your building, yeah, you know, it's not working for you. <laughs> and, well, uh, you so, know, and that's, that brings us back to I, I, what I know is a key focus to you, and that is digital competency across the industry. Now, I know this, this summit is an international one. It's, it's a global one, um, and this huge number is involved. But let's just take a step back and look at the Irish marketplace where are we in terms of, I know we've talked about digital adoption, but in terms of digital competency across the industry, where are we? How do we rank against other other countries? Well, I think we, we rank very well. I mean, if we just look at the numbers last year of you know, 15,000 people registered, Ireland was in the top three of the countries. So we, we had people from over 100 countries registered, but in terms of numbers, Ireland was in the top three. Now, of course, some of that's got to do with the fact that we're based in Ireland and we're promoting that. But still, I think it shows that Ireland is, is really up there with, with the best. Um, 
and even this year, look at if looking at the community and and even the registrations for this year, we're we're already at about just under five thousand people that you know have already expressed an interest in this year's event. And we're still up there in the in in the top. I think Ireland this year is actually still at the moment is number one of of all the people interested. So there's a high interest. Um, I think there's a really good competency in Ireland. Ireland in certain sectors is doing incredibly well and and sort of servicing you know, the European and other markets with with its competency. But it's almost like we have a two two tier system because there'll, there'll be other people in the industry that don't even know what BIM is. You, you say BIM and they think you're, you're talking about Board Ishkamara, you know, the Irish Fisheries Board. <laughs> and so yeah, you know, we have this bizarre situation where you have some really shining lights in the industry doing incredible work, um, and then you know a, a vast majority of the industry that's just not engaging. Okay, well, for, look, for whatever look, reason, yeah. To be fair, I don't think there's another company in Ireland who is doing as much to drive engagement across the industry as yourself and the team at ArcDocs are doing. And mm. um, but so the range of topics is huge. But when you say a hundred plus speakers, that can almost seem overwhelming. So tell us who are the the kind of um, BIM rock stars or digital construction <laughs> rock stars that we need to be looking out for. Well, it's, well, let me first say it's not overwhelming because of the topics. Like people will have specific topics. If you're a designer, you'll, you know, you'll you'll gravitate to the the design stage or whatever. So, within each topic, there's there's a, a small number of, of speakers. It's just when you put it together, it's a large number. But we have some incredible people coming over. Um, obviously, uh, our good friend Paul Doherty, who's been a great supporter from the beginning of of this community. He's the president of the Digi Group. Um, he's a, a world leader and a thought leader in in BIM and you know, developing smart cities and everything. So it'd be great to to have Paul over in Dublin uh, speaking at the event. We've got um, Jonathan Ingram, who you could probably consider him one of the fathers of BIM. Jonathan wrote the original software that would would eventually become you know Revit and uh, Sort of power the a lot of the soft the the software that people use. Um, we have Kimon and Numa coming from the United States as well. Kimon has been working in this space for thirty years, developing standards and products and you know web using the web. So, um, you know, I mean, Kimon is talking about enabling web use of BIM rather than desktop use of BIM. You know, years ago before it, this even became a thing. Um, Jamie Johnson is uh, sort of help working with the UK government in modern methods of construction and platform design, and you know working with the digital construction hub in or innovation hub, sorry, in the UK. Um, uh, we've got Rebecca Deticcio, who is a world driver in the woman in BIM movement. You know, trying to drive equality and diversity. Um, so we've got so many, I just can't, I can't mention them all, but, um, you know, we'll be here all night, but all yeah. morning, sorry, but amazing I, people I who are willing to come over to Dublin and share their knowledge and expertise yeah. with the community to, to grow, you know, to grow the, the knowledge, the general knowledge 
within the sector. So it's 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 amazing that these people are contributing what they're contributing. And yeah, but there's um, a, there's a few there's a few Irish um, Irish people that are that are considered thought leaders in this area as well. I know that uh, I three PT and Invacara will have. We'll have some of their Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, Claire Penny will be there for, and Anand Makari from Invacara doing excellent work around the digital twin. And in fact, they'll be heading, they'll be sort of leading the operation stage. And I'm really excited about that because it, this, the, the use of BIM in operations is still, you know, the, the adoption in that side of the sector is still very low. And uh, and then, you know, Vicky, we have Vicky Reynolds who, with I3PT, uh, an incredible company that's driving, you know, so the the um, regulations, the compliance with reg- building regulations, and um, and also developing their own technologies around that area. So, yeah, as as I said, there's so many um, incredible people coming over and giving of their time to to uh, to just drive this community forward. It's it's. Very good. And um, Ralph, just before we finish up, you touched on it at the start of the interview, but I think it's one of the really interesting um, aspects of the BIM Summit last year because it just went all over my social media feed and it was so impactful. The BIM Heroes, what, what is that and how does it work? Well, the um, well, the hero story was, was really important when we thought about how do we recognise and celebrate people that are doing good work because the i mean the hero story is almost the underlying story of all stories if you like it's it's um the hero has to confront reality and uh and chat you know or the chaos and rescue uh the treasure you know so the the the, from the, the the dragon the whether that's gold or the fair maiden or whatever the the hero is not the person Who's choosing the easy route in life or the pleasurable route in life? The hero is the the, the person who's challenging um, and doing what's right rather than doing what's easy. Yeah. You know, so, so when we thought about who are we going to recognize and appreciate um, and celebrate in this community, it's those type of people. The people who are doing the right thing. The people who are pursuing good information, quality information. You know, not the people who are taking the easy route out or just following you know, the traditional way of doing things. And um, so we created this award and we and the purpose was to allow anyone in the community to celebrate somebody they recognized as um, as a leader in this area. And so people can go and nominate somebody for this award and the person would get a physical award, a, a medal, um, and also that, that's announced on social media. So the person getting the award gets some recognition, which is often great because you find that the people who are doing this great work are often sitting in, in the back office somewhere and not being yeah, appreciated or recognized. So suddenly they're getting recognition, which is brilliant for them. And then, uh, but also the, the, the person or the company that's giving the award gets recognized. So everybody get something out of it so it was fantastic and we've had we've had almost we've had over 500 people recognized through this this award system by industry yeah i I think it's amazing to see uh the hero's journey and i i think joseph campbell would be so proud to see the analogy move from kind of greek mythology right through uh digital construction and for building information modeling so i think that is 
such a such a fantastic way to frame it because actually sometimes when we're telling the technology story, we can forget that actually there is still a story there that needs to be told. So for me, um, the heroes, bringing the hero's journey into this, I think is so apt, um, you know, so it, it's a really important one. Ralph, thank you so much and well done to the, yourself and the team at ArcDocs. Uh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to September's event. Um, I think it's really exciting and it really changes the narrative of the struggle for tech adoption into something really celebratory um, where the potential is just being unleashed and shared and just to be able to glimpse at that global potential is really exciting. So thank you so much. It's and a pleasure, Carol. And yeah, really looking forward to it and and, specific, and looking forward to your your part in, in the show as well, which is the immersive technology and the place XR. It's going to be incredible. Don't worry, Ralph. I, I, I understand the brief. We'll bring it. So I'm very much looking forward to it. And that's it from us on Breaking Ground um, on iProperty Radio this week. My thanks to Ralph Montague of ArcDocs. Uh, you can find all information about the BIM Coordinator Summit 2022 online and you can get in touch with our show here on social media at iProperty Radio or by emailing hello at iPropertyRadio.com. My thanks to the Hear Me Roar media production team and to Luke Delaney on sound for Dublin South FM. Until next time, thank you for listening.